Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. I'm Solvay Brown, and I am so excited to have Karen Laus as my guest today. Many of you heard Karen's empowering Mentium webinar on how to be a confident communicator. For those of you who don't know Karen, she is a communication expert, a motivational speaker, an author, a podcast host, a trainer, and an executive coach who is on a mission to eradicate self-doubt in 10 million women in the next 10 years. In today's episode, Karen is going to teach us how to ask for what you want. By the end of this episode, you will learn a fantastic four-step process to set yourself up for success in asking for what you want. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much, Sylvic. So great to be here. Karen, would you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Sure. Well, I'm originally from Minneapolis, so I feel like that's always important, right by the Mentium office. Definitely. <laughs> but I always had this dream to live in California, specifically San Francisco. So in the mid-90s, I packed up my bags and threw a bunch of stuff in the trunk of my car and landed here and never left. So I, I love living in California. And professionally, I started as an HR person, moved into corporate training, and then worked for a company for 14 years specializing in executive presence and messaging. But I'm most excited to share that I left that job, even though it was a wonderful job and company, I left in 2020 to focus on my mission to eradicate self-doubt in 10 million women in the next 10 years. And I love being a speaker on big stages, primarily in the corporate world, but I work with men and women. So my, my concepts are wonderful for all genders, or, or as somebody once said, they're universal to every gender. So that's important for people to keep in mind. But for me, when I was six years old, I negotiated my first deal at a flea market. And my dad gave me a few dollars and said, go have fun, but never pay full price. So I've always had this confidence on the outside, but simultaneously, I grew up in a very traditional home and my mom, through the modeling that I witnessed, I learned that you don't have a voice unless a man tells you that you do. So I had to navigate that throughout my life as well. And even though I had all this confidence, I was quite successful in my corporate roles, speaking on stages all over like Google and NASA and Netflix, I still held back sometimes due to self-doubt and wanting to accommodate other people and the whole people-pleasing thing. So I say that because that really culminates the moment when I realized that I was in a boardroom, tongue-tied, unable to get my words out, and my boss had to shut down the meeting. And as a result of that, when she said, Karen, you didn't trust your gut. You could have said, I don't know why we were holding this meeting in the first place. Let's table this. And as a result of that, that embarrassing moment, that's really what set me on this, this path to say, I've got to figure out how to free myself from this prison that I have been in. And I want to help other women do it. So that's a little bit about me. Karen, I love that story. And there are pieces in that that we all can relate to. You know, you're also speaking to some of the cultural constraints that women in particular face about communicating. 
So I am especially excited to dig into today's topic of how to ask for what you want. And my first question is, why is asking for what you want so hard? Yeah, that's a very important <laughs> thing for all of us to look at. And I've seen it in my own experience is we don't want to put people out. We feel like we're bothering someone. And ultimately, it's vulnerable to ask for something because you don't know what the other party is going to say. And that's that scary feeling between that moment of pause when you make the ask and there's the silence, or if you do it in writing, there's the waiting time when they oh. don't get back to you, where you think all these things that you make up in your head for why I they're not responding. My stomach is in a knot just having you say that. Um, I can totally relate to that. Yes. Yeah. And even I was doing an engagement where I was teaching a group of board members, all executives, high level executives that were volunteers on this board for a nonprofit. I was teaching them how to ask because they were really good at telling the story of the nonprofit. But when it came to the conversation to ask for donations, they would turn it over to the company or the, the nonprofit to have that money conversation. So in this experience where I was doing a, a two hour training with them, it was so interesting to me because I do so much work with women that a number of the guys said, even one guy said, even to ask, let's call her Sue across the table for the, a pen because I need a pen feels awkward. I have a hard time even imagining doing that. And even yesterday I was on a flight back from Minneapolis to San Francisco and I, I needed to use the bathroom before the flight took off, but there was three people right where the bathroom was at the front of the plane. And I could, nobody was using the bathroom, but even I, and I had to tell myself, I have to out myself about this. Even I, with all the work that I have done, I hesitated because they all had a lot of luggage and I thought, nope, I'll wait, I'll come back. I do think that there is this inherent human thing where we feel uncomfortable being an inconvenience. And that's, again, though, the story that we're making up in our heads. It doesn't mean that we're an inconvenience, but it feels like we are. Yes, totally. So how can someone overcome that fear of being an inconvenience or the self-doubt about asking for what they want? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot packed into that question. So the, the first thing is to be aware of what it's like when somebody asks you for help. If you had, if you asked me at a meeting, hey, Karen, can I have a pen or pass the potatoes or the salt or whatever, I would have no problem with that. And what I find fascinating is that when you're on the other side of an ask, usually most people, because we're natural problem solvers, we want to help that person. And of course, there's a, all different situations, but generally speaking, the first step is to remember and imagine if you were on the other side of that ask, how would that make you feel? And that can give us some perspective to go, oh, it's no big deal. I wouldn't feel like I'm being bothered or put out. So that's one step. And then the other related to self-doubt, I have a number of exercises around this. But one of them that I find is my favorite is to is I call it the Broadway musical method. And this is where you pick your most 
prevalent message of self-doubt. So let's say it's, I'm not good enough. A lot of people have that thought. And instead of, even as you notice, when I say I'm not good enough, it sounds heavy. It doesn't sound positive. But if I were to sing this like a Broadway musical and say, I'm not good enough, (laughs) suddenly the power, first of all, we laugh. It's sort of silly. It almost seems ridiculous now. And from a neuroscience perspective, you're actually changing up the neural pathways in your brain which take the power away from that message of doubt. So that's one of them. I love that one. You can't help but smile and laugh. And then you realize that fear that seems so big in your head, all of a sudden seems a little bit ridiculous when you sing it. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. So that's one that I find helpful. Another one that I love to recommend because I've also seen the joy and the incredible confidence that that gives this gives people is what I call five and five. And that means you ask five people in your life, ideally from different parts of your life. So I wouldn't pick five friends, for example, but pick five different people that you know and trust to give you five positive qualities about you. And there is something about seeing those, whether it's in a, on a text message or in an email, or you hear it out loud, but either way, ha- gathering them all together can be such good perspective to look at what other people see in you. And you intentionally ask for the positive qualities because this is not a time to ask for constructive feedback. <laughs> There's other times for that. Right. That is such a good idea because I think sometimes we tend to focus more on what's not right or what's not, you know, what could be improved. And so what a great reminder to have that bombardment of positivity and looking for the ones that overlap and you think, oh, wow, that's great. Exactly. Well, and what I find fun is that most of the time there are themes that evolve as a result of this. So for example, I remember, and I'll I'll share my story because I think it's a good evolution for people about how to look at this in your life differently at different times. As a kid, I was always told that people feel comfortable around me. I remember that even in high school. Well, that has been a theme my entire life, but it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago that I realized this is actually a business asset. It is a characteristic that I can share with people like, wait, what do most people say about you? When we're in job interviews, for example, or we're trying to share our services and say why we should be the one that someone chooses, we are so focused on the tactical thing that we do. But most people don't talk about character traits. So when you're in an interview, it would blow someone away to say, well, there's, I want to focus on my tactical traits and I want to focus on my character traits because let's face it, the character traits are the thing that drive us to want to work with people. Those are the things in building relationships that people decide, I like you, I trust you, I think you're credible. And all of that rolls into the relationship part and the character part. And if we're not clear on our character strengths, then it will be a little bit harder to get that job. Maybe not impossible, 
but it will really make you stand out in interviews and in your business when you talk about both. That is so true. And there is that tendency to separate out the two, like your character strengths seem more like they're just taken for granted or they're right. friends or family. And when you're in a business interview, you think, oh, I've got to just talk about the business aspect of it. So that is an excellent reminder. Yeah. Well, and it's why we lie in our beds at night. It's the people problems. It's mm -hmm. not systems and processes most of the time. It's the people problems of why do they say that? Or why did they do that? And the work styles that people have, and there's so many personality assessments done to help us understand people better. And that is really the bulk of our people problems. So if we start talking about these character traits, that makes you even more emotionally intelligent, especially showing up in a job interview or pitching yourself to be on a project, all those things connect back. Yeah, definitely. And it shows your own self-awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Karen, I find that sometimes it's hard to know what you want. Yes. So do you have any advice for how to get clear on what you want? I do. <laughs> and given that you and I both promised a four-step process, I want to make sure that people know the first one is what you've asked me around face, what I call face your fears. So it's really starting step one is to face your fears, tackle that self-doubt, do some of these exercises that we've talked about. And then the second one is basically to decide. And so often we don't know. And first of all, giving yourself grace to recognize that most people don't know what they really want. And so a, a starter exercise on that is to look at yourself throughout the decades of your life and ask yourself, what did I like to do when I was a kid? Think about your year from one to 10 years old, from 10 to 20, or, or you can think about it in elementary school, high school, college, what have you. That reflection time can be helpful to go, okay, what have I always enjoyed? And another one that I find it's more reflective, but also very interesting is to imagine that you have made all the money in the world and you don't need any more money and you are sitting beside your beautiful pool and now you're bored to death. After you've given all this money away to charity and all the things, helped a ton of people, what would you do then? Sometimes imagining that can help us get in touch with the bigger purpose that we might have or what we want. Now, I also recognize as I'm giving both of these exercises that that can feel too far out, like too big picture, big vision. One thing then that I would recommend you do is think about in the next 90 days, if you fast forward from today, 90 days from today, how do you want your life to be different? And journal at, write down bullet points, anything that you can to put that out on a piece of paper or on a computer somewhere where you can see it or read it that can help you to get clearer on the more immediate goal. And then the second thing is to think, what would hold me back? What's getting in the way of going for it? So those are a couple of ideas to start. Those are great. And I like the combination of the big picture thinking to generate almost what is aligned with your purpose and what is aligned with what has always driven you, but you may have not have recognized that. 
And then the smaller picture of, well, what is going to make my life better in the next three months? I love exactly. that. Well, and I used to do a lot of vision setting exercises with corporate teams. And I would do this. And it's something that I learned one of very, my very first facilitation exercises as a participant, where you draw on a piece of paper and I give people a bunch of markers, draw where you want to be in five years. Almost everybody draws themselves on a beach. Right. <laughs> it feels like, oh, I'm going to live this amazing lifestyle to the rich and famous life and the life yes. of leisure. And then when, when you bring it down to 90 days, suddenly it gets real. Yes. Yes. That is so true. That kind of the epitome of making it is like you're on a beach. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so I like the common. visualization of thinking you're on the beach. And then you're a little bit bored because you have everything you need. So what do you want to do that fills your purpose? Right. I love that. And I wanted to add one other thing that can be helpful. Sometimes getting clear on what we don't want can help us get clearer on what we do. So that's another place that people could start. That is a good reminder. I often use that in restaurants. I know what I don't want on the menu. I'm like, what do yeah. I want? Well, I'll just go through and, and narrow down what I don't want. And that usually helps. So, okay. That's a, that's a good reminder of going out with friends. You know, a lot of times, what do you want? What do you want? Oh, I don't care. I don't care. And then everybody ends up at the Mexican restaurant that nobody wanted to go to. Right. Yes. <laughs> Again. And the reason is because no one could ask for what they wanted. So this is going to be helpful in so many arenas of life. Okay. So let's say you really, you're ready to ask for something that you want. You're feeling a little bit vulnerable about it. Um, but you're ready. How do you prepare to ask for what you want to give yourself the best chance for success? Mm -hmm. The first step is to know your audience. What do they care about? A lot of times what can happen is we get so nervous to ask that, and even nervous about the ask that we get very focused on ourselves. So let's say somebody's going for a promotion and we think, okay, I want that. It becomes I, 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 what are all the things I want? Instead of that, think about what is in it for your audience. So whoever you're pitching, why would they care about that? And I have an example. When I was an HR manager at an architecture firm, I realized very quickly that I didn't love the tactical part of HR, like the benefits, compensation, those things, anything related to data. I really loved the people part. And at the time, we didn't have a training department. And I thought, I really want to do corporate training. This was earlier on in my career. And I thought this could be a place I could practice and do that. And but so here's the first step is recognizing, okay, when your love for what you want to do or whatever it is that you want intersects with a need of the audience member or the person that you are going to pitch. So I really thought about <clears throat> how I could pitch her. She was the head of finance. She cared a lot about money. She was really protective about the company budget. And so I had to think about what would be a way that I could pitch this that would make it a win-win. And that's another thing in general that I find is really helpful to remind people that a negotiation does not have to be a win-lose. A win-win where people collaborate and find out how could this serve both parties. That is where I feel like it's, absolute gold. So one of the things that I did was I made a list, first of all, of 
the need of what I saw as the benefit of having a training department, basically better retention, serving our employees, giving them something new for their own professional development, equip them to have better conversations, whatever, you know, a list of things. And then I remember thinking about her. Okay. I know she's frugal you know all these things at the end of the day, I pitched it and I got it. So it was a huge win for me. So I created this training department and it was where I practiced all these, what, what, what we call soft skills, which really are tactical skills at the end of the day, but things like presentation skills, how to give and receive feedback, conflict resolution. But the important thing to remember about this story here related to what we're talking about today is making sure that you prep in advance and do your research about why anybody else would care about the ask that you are making, because it is not all about you. Just like for me, it's not all about me when I'm pitching something. Now I will say it is important also to remember that there is a cost to everything. When I pitched this to her, she said, I'm good with that. But Karen, what this means is I'm going to have to hire someone else to do the job that you are doing now related to the tactical side of HR that you don't like. If I have to lay someone off, you're going to be the first one to go. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that was a very powerful reality that was very helpful. And I said, I'm good with that. I'm willing Mm -hmm. to take that risk. Mm -hmm. And then I went down, ended up, I was at five days a week, went to four, went to three, and then eventually was laid off. But that's when I first started my business back in 2003, when I first left corporate. Right. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah, totally. I love that story about kind of the practical way of looking at the other person's point of view. What did they really need? Can you walk us through some of your best practices for doing that? Because- you've done it so long and you've had lots of practice and probably times where you didn't ask for what you wanted and you wish you had. And so what are some real takeaways that we can use for, oh, do this, 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 or phrases Mm -hmm. we can use, or just what is some of your best advice for how to do it? Especially keeping in mind that when someone's asking for what they want, they're likely nervous. And that kind of rings out a whole new (laughs) style of communication that you may not anticipate. Yes, absolutely. Well, I feel like let's move to step four, because I think that these, they they go together. Mm -hmm. Then step four is the actual ask. So First, if and, and why I wanted to say that is because that's where I'd love to offer some sentence prompts and things as well when you're doing the ask. So let me share a story related to that, and then we'll come back and unpack, okay, how did I prep for that? And how can anybody listening prep? I will share about a story when I lost eight months of my life by not making an ask that was direct. So that is my number one suggestion in step four, which is the actual asking of what you want, is make a direct rather than a passive ask. And here's what happened with me. After um, I was asked to be on the leadership team of the company where I last worked by the president of the company, I was very excited. I said after a meeting, when we all were in a meeting, she was at her computer, clearly distracted, but I decided to mention it and say, hey, everybody in here is, everybody on the leadership team is director or above and I'm a senior manager. What does that mean for me? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, we'll have to figure that out. Notice right there, if we stop and pause, 
When I said passively, what does that mean for me? I did not make a direct ask. I was not comfortable making a direct ask at that time in my life. And then what happened is months later, I was on a leadership team serving in that capacity, still at my same role. And I mentioned it again at the end of a meeting when she was distracted. And she said, oh, yeah, 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 let's, we'll figure that out. Well, I make an assumption like a lot of particularly women do, well, people will notice me. They're going to see how hard I've worked, how great I've contributed. And at the review, I had my review. I thought I was going to be promoted and I waited the whole review, no promotion. And she could tell something was off and I, and she said, what's going on? And I said, well, I thought I was going to be promoted. I mentioned that and I've been on the leadership team and you've been saying how great I've been doing. And she honestly, she said, Karen, I don't even remember that conversation. Wow. So yeah. I had a moment of humility, sobering pause. And I, we, then we laughed and I said, all right, rewind. Here's what I would have done differently. I want a promotion. Here's what I'd like. And here's where I think that I could serve you. Here's all of the things that I do so great. And I would have asked directly and then said, if there's something getting in my way, what is it? I want to know what that is. And I want to work on it. And can we create a plan and revisit this in each month to get me there by the sixth month by the time I've asked? I mean, that would have been totally different. Ooh, yeah. So that brings me to your question about what can people do? What are the steps to go through? The very first one is to make a list of your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. What have you accomplished? Particularly if it is something where you're asking for a raise or a promotion at the company, focus on the accomplishments that you have made there. Now, it could also be a really good practice. This is what I call a celebration portfolio where you have a bigger throughout the course of your life or start now for anybody that's hearing this for the first time, have a collection of testimonials or accomplishments, things people said about you, things you're most proud of and have that all in one place. It doesn't mean that you have to regurgitate the whole list, but even to say there are five major accomplishments that I have had in the last year here. I want to highlight those and have you celebrate these wins with me. That is a way that to help inform that decision maker, because when I managed people in corporate, I managed too many people to be keeping track of every single detail that was going on with them. And sometimes I would forget as much as I try to be attentive. There's something very different when you can communicate your own value by sharing, Hey, here are the things. And it's not about promoting yourself in a way that's bragging. Cause I know I hear that a lot. Well, I don't want to be arrogant or braggy. You're not bragging. You're simply creating visibility to whatever it is that you're doing or have done. And you're making someone aware of that. So that's what I would start with is the list of accomplishments. I would do one of these self-doubt exercises that we've talked about. And another one we haven't talked about is the fear script where you say your strongest message of doubt or fear about something. And then you write back to fear what your highest self would say. And it's amazing how 
easily accessible. I have found for most people, your, your highest version of yourself, however you want to call it, your best self and what you would say back to fear. And that dialogue can be really helpful to process that and also take the power away to realize, oh, I actually have an answer to everything fear is saying to me or doubt. So that can be a way to create more confidence in the conversation. But I would first start with that celebration portfolio or the list of accomplishments. So I'll stop there and then we can talk a little bit about phrases. Yeah, that is really super helpful to think about because you address both sides of that. And what I liked about what you just said is that you gave us the perspective of the manager. So many of the people I interview say that it's so hard for them to talk about their accomplishments because they feel like their work should speak for itself. But then in what you just said, you said, sometimes I am so busy, overwhelmed, or like the story you gave where that person's like, I don't even remember these conversations. You're actually helping your manager remember these things when they have so much to keep track of. So that is also helpful. And you're talking about what benefit have you added for the company? And um, that is wonderful. So then what are some of the specific phrases we can use now to ask for what we want? Absolutely. So one of the things that I recommend is bringing people into a bigger purpose. So I have a couple of stories I wanted to share One is of me and the mistake that I made, although I quickly rectified it. (laughs) That was a a positive thing. But a lot of times when we make an ask, we start with our selfish ambition, if you will, or what we want. So for example, when COVID hit, I realized I'm going to have a summit for women. And of course, I was really excited about it. As whoever is listening, you're excited about yourself and whatever you're doing. And When I started asking women to speak at this summit, that's basically what I did is, do you want to speak at my summit? (laughs) And actually I had people that said yes, but there was a totally different response when I would say, do you want to be a part of a movement empowering women? Notice how much more attractive that sounds. Totally. I felt the difference. I mean, I could just hear my internal voice going, yes, like who wouldn't want to be part (laughs) of that as opposed to feeling like, oh, you know, if it was asking me to speak, oh, that'd be so, I don't necessarily want to do that. I don't want to commit to that, but you want to help be something, be part of something bigger than yourself. That is such a great idea. Yeah. So that's one. And then another one related to the promotion idea, instead of, you know, I want a promotion, Although I recognize that that is the same example that I gave a little bit ago during that review when I said, I want a promotion, but that was after we had had the whole conversation about the miscommunication, but recognizing first, what is the need of the organization? Similar to the story that I shared about, we didn't have a training department. So let's say you want a promotion and you want to move into the marketing department, or you want a bigger higher title or whatever in the marketing department and notice the difference instead of I'd like to get promoted and do more in marketing versus I noticed that we have a need to expand the marketing department, or I can see where if we did this project, this thing, we would make a lot more money or we would make things a lot more efficient. I mean, and let's go back, take a pause for a second and say, what do people care about? especially when you're pitching someone 
in, in well, really any work situation is time, money, and relationships. We care about mm-hmm. efficiency. So if something's going to save you time, it's going to save you money or going to save your relationships or peace of mind, I would put in that same category. That's mm-hmm. what people care about. So when we can start positioning ourselves as the solution for a problem, then people go, oh, that sounds great. And one of, I remember my old, another, I have so many great stories about my past boss because she was such a great teacher in her examples. She always said, Karen, make it impossible for me to say no. And her point about that was so many people would come to her and say, I want to do more of this in the company. I want to do more of this. And it would feel like they were whining as opposed to coming with exactly what I said a need that the company has, how you could be the one to solve that problem and that you are ready to take it on. And then being clear with, well, what do you want? Rather than like, I did not a good job when I made that passive ask to her and getting clear on, here's what I'd like my title to be, or here's the salary increase that I would like to have. And being also very diligent on your research. If you're going to ask for a higher salary, you better be ready to explain and justify why. So prepping to with your accomplishments, along with potentially your tenure, any difference that you can share that you have made in the company related to that time, money, and relationships. And then also being able to position yourself as I'm the one for the job and I'm up for it. Also on even an emotional level, even though we don't necessarily say it's emotion, but saying I have the the energy and the time to do this. And this is what I'd like to do. Yes. That is such an excellent reminder of doing the work and the research and the background to figure out what the problems are, what you're solving. I like that time, money, relationships, peace of mind formula that you can plug in of how you can help one of those bottom lines and then really know what else is out there and what the standard norms are for the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let's say you do all that, you've prepped, you've practiced, you make the ask, And then what if they say no after all that? (laughs) Yes, that's always hard. So you always have to make a judgment call. But one of the best questions to potentially turn a no into a yes is to ask, what concerns do you have? Or another way to position it. And I'll, I'll give you another example because I think it's people learn better with examples. So I remember I... I had a call, a discovery call with a potential client. She really wanted my coaching. She was very passionate about it, very excited. I sent her a proposal and she said no. And I was so surprised, but I could have let it go. I decided to write back and say, wow, it seemed like you were really excited about this. Can you tell me the main reason, if you're willing to share, what made you say no? And she wrote back price. Well, that was interesting to me because she and I on the call talked about the price. She seemed okay with it. And I even said in my proposal back to her, I would be happy to negotiate based on your budget needs. And so that made me really curious. 
Why did she say no if I made it an open door to negotiate? Well, there's lots of reasons. Who knows? You know, there could be people's insecurity. They don't want to insult you, all those things. So I decided, and this I will tell you, was one thing I don't always go back a second time. But I, we had such a good conversation that I sent an email and said, I'm, I'm always wanting to learn and grow and serve my clients to the best of my abilities. Would you be willing to share what the number one objection was besides price? And she came back and said, it truly was price. And she's going in a different direction or something. So at that point, there's nothing more that I can do. But the ask sometimes can get you to a deeper issue with someone. So this is, that was an example of one that didn't pan out. (laughs) So Uh it may or may uh not be a good example, but I think it's also important to remember that you don't always win the deal. Yes. But I do think that if I had, for example, if we go back to my boss, if I had made a direct ask, she actually, obviously after the review, she didn't just say, oh, let's promote you. She said, let's talk about this. And then she did have a hesitation. I wasn't decisive enough in her opinion. So that was very helpful to me. Mm -hmm. But the good news is we had the dialogue because I said, what is getting in my way? And that question changed everything because then I could go to work and figure out how to fix that. Yeah, that is such a great example about leaning in with curiosity as to why they said no, as opposed to just taking it upon yourself, like, oh no, they said no and feeling rejected. So again, it's that outward focus of, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, why, I'm just curious, why did you say no? And like in both of those examples, you figured out definitively for the one it was cost and you thought, well, that just was going to be a no because even though you said you negotiate, but the other one, you learned what you could do better or what you could be working on that wouldn't have necessarily come out if you had just said, okay, and not ask any follow-up questions. Exactly. I mean, it's all data, right? When Mm -hmm. we ask these questions, we can figure it out. And It also, because that, that person who said it was price, it also helped me see in that there was a a theme over a period of a couple of months where people were not buying. And I realized it was not, I mean, again, well, we, we won't go into all the conversation, but what the theme was is people not wanting to insult me. Yes. Yeah. That's what I would find out. And it's really hard to tell somebody, well, it's not about insulting me. I simply want to help you. I want to serve you and let's figure out a price that works for both of us. But Mm -hmm. sometimes people don't want to engage or their, their budget is so far off from where a fee is. Sometimes it's just not even in their range. Do you want me to share a couple of phrases? How are we doing? Yeah, I would love you to share some phrases. Okay. One of the things to think about is focusing on adding value So obviously that's, we've kind of talked about that already, but things like here's where I made the most impact last year or where I could add value to this is, or we know you need, or I know you need X, whatever that might be. And here's how I see myself contributing to that need, or here's how I could contribute to solving the problem or solving the issue. People love it 
when you have a problem solver around. So when you can say, I can be the problem solver for that. The other one is, let's see here, a couple of others. I'm looking at notes here while I talk to, but for example, let's say you're in a salary negotiation. I, you know, all advice is you don't be the one to say the number first. Instead of giving a range, pick if they, if you're at a point where you have to give some number where they just won't budge or something. I always pick the highest number and say, can we get closer to that? So let's just pick a round number. So let's say you're offered, I don't know, $85,000. Oh, wow. Well, I was really looking for a hundred. Could we get closer to that? Cause it leaves it so open and vague. Mm -hmm. Because as mm -hmm. soon as you put in, like, could we get closer to 90, then they're going to give you 90 or they're not certainly yes. not going to go above 90. And I love that. Can we get closer to that? Mm -hmm. Or even I love the phrase of, I was looking for the high end of the range X, Y, Z without having to lock us down. And then finding out, remembering this is less about phrases, but remembering that there are so many other things to negotiate besides money. Whatever is important to you. Think about that. I mean, obviously working from home is such a big thing now in particular, but more vacation time, you could get a sign on bonus perhaps, or have it written in the contract that within six months, you will be able to have a conversation about a raise if they don't budge, or even if they do, and you wanted more to say, I'd like to have in the contract that we will have a conversation in six months, provided that my, my performance is excellent. So those are some ideas. Those are fantastic ideas. Do you also recommend that people practice if they're going to ask oh, something? Yes. I'm so yeah. glad you said that. Yes, yes, yes. Very important. I had an executive that I'm coaching who's the president of her company, large company, she, I use the voice memo app called Voxer with my clients. She practiced eight times, just the opening of her talk. It was a 30 second opening, maybe even less. And there's something about, and she got more and more confident every time she said it. So that's really, really powerful. And I would recommend not just practicing, but recording yourself practicing at minimum practice on an audio recorder, which we all have in our phones, but better would be on video. Record yourself on video and see how it sounds and how you look. For anybody that is interested in some of the words that we say that aren't actually benefiting us as much as possible, it's called nine words to avoid and what to say instead. And you can grab that on my website. I definitely clicked on that. I was like, what should I not be saying? <laughs> and I'm like taking out little and just and oh, some good. of those words. And I catch myself. I do a lot of meetings on Microsoft Teams and they have that speaker coach that you can turn on when you're doing a Microsoft Teams meeting. That was so oh, illuminating because at the end of your meeting, and you think, oh, you've spoken so clearly and eloquently, you get this little report about how 
how many filler words you used when you you used them. I think the first one I was like 120 filler words, you know, during this long meeting. And I was like, which is one of my filler words. (laughs) And, but it was great. I loved your advice on that. This was great awareness to see, oh, these are my filler words. I need to slow down a little bit. It's always a work in progress of getting better at that. So (laughs) that is fantastic advice. Oh my goodness, Karen, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so (laughs) much for being my guest today. Um, I'm looking forward to putting your steps in action. You know, I love that how facing your fears is a good basic first step to asking for what you want. And then the second step of getting clear on what you want. And then the third step of prepping and knowing your audience and figuring out what is in it for them. And then finally, that fourth step of, you know, just asking and thank you for giving specific ideas, specific phrases Mm -hmm. that people can use to ask. What I am most excited about, though, is that you have empowered me and everyone who is listening to this episode to ask for what they want. When we learn to ask for what we want, we create better outcomes in our own lives. And we also create better outcomes for our relationships with people we work with, friends, and family. So thank you for that. You're welcome. If you would like to know more about Karen's mission or have her speak at an event, you can check out Karen's offerings at karenlaus.com. Karen has a wonderful podcast called Ignite Your Confidence, and I highly recommend Karen's book, Trust Your Own Voice. It is a fantastic resource for building confidence and executive presence, creating compelling presentations, enhancing one's negotiation skills, setting boundaries, authentic self-promotion, and so much more. You can also check out Karen's website for more information on her Speak With Confidence group coaching, which is starting soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mentium Matters podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your coworkers, friends, and families so they can also learn to ask for what they want. We have many great episodes lined up, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to having you join us next time.